you know, there's still shit that just wakes you up. It's still like ingrained inside your soul, never goes away. You know, PTSD is a real thing. It can be both sides where you liked it so much that you hate this life after, or you live such a shitty one that you don't want this life to continue either. And now, a Jeep Talk Show special episode. So tonight, we're going to have a follow-up to our very first special episode uh, of, uh, of Chuck. That first special episode occurred on October 30th, 2022. If you haven't listened to it, you might want to give it a listen before listening to uh, this. Now, even though this is special episode number two, uh, and it's Chuck again, it doesn't actually mean that all special episodes will be Chuck. This is how it's worked out so far. <laughs> so uh, I, I think that you're going to really enjoy this uh, this follow up interview. Uh, that uh, we don't, I don't think we cover the same thing. So this will sh- should be all new information uh, that uh, if you've listened to the uh, the first interview. Now I will recommend uh, getting a a, a nice uh, beverage, uh, getting a refill that you can uh, top off that beverage occasionally, and uh, maybe even a sack lunch. All right, we're back for another interview with Chuck. If you uh, don't recall, or maybe you haven't listened to it yet, I, I urge you to go and listen to special episode number one. It's not going to be all Chuck. It just it, it, apparently it's going to be that's the way we start. But we're going to have other uh, special episodes here. We've just started with uh, the great information uh, that uh, Chuck has been telling us about his life and jeeping and uh, all things in between. The last time we spoke with Chuck, which was uh, on October 30th, so if you haven't listened to the episode, I would pause this one or stop this one and go back and listen to that one. Uh, I don't think we're going to have any overlap here, but you know, you want to hear the the entire story from beginning to end. Anyway, last time we we spoke with Chuck, mm-hmm. Chuck was talking about uh, uh, Red Dog and uh, how he was uh, in the, the, the totem pole of dogs. He was low on the totem pole. And uh, what was the name of the other dog, Chuck? I'm sorry, I forgot. Uh, uh, his Christian name was John Wayne. We <laughs> called him J.W. Jay. Or then eventually it was just J. So <laughs> Yeah, so J had unfortunately yeah, passed away. Yeah, was not important enough to get a name. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. He's, he's an yeah. actual red dog. So, yeah, unfortunately, Jay uh, passed away in a, yeah. an accident, and uh, that was uh, that was very traumatic because it actually helped Chuck uh, deal with uh, coming back from overseas. It was like uh, uh, his uh, his spirit animal, his uh, 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 critter that helped you get through the day. So that that's horrible when that happens. But as yeah. as many times we have we find ourselves in those situations where uh, what made us feel good is gone, and you have to. Uh, learn how to deal with things yourself. I think I actually told you personally, just one on one, that uh, Jay probably had fulfilled his uh, his reason for being here, and it was uh, time for him to go and uh, move on to something else, uh, or, or perhaps have a reward. Uh, and I'm sure he's not missing you because he knows that you'll be uh, back there uh, with him in a, in a blink of an eye. Not that you're dying tomorrow or anything, but you know, time runs different on the other side. <laughs> right. Yeah, he was. Uh, he would be considered my service dog. So he helped me. Uh, he helped me get through lots of lots of pretty shitty days. And and when he when we were at, on job sites, he would always just lay there behind me, and he kind of nudge me when someone was walking up, which was phenomenal. And then I don't need that anymore. You know, I can go and sit down in a public space and have people behind me, and I'm okay. So. Yeah, he definitely helped me decompress. He's probably shaking his head now going, really? You're doing that now? 
what's this podcast <laughs> thing? You're talking. Uh, you never yeah, talked before. <laughs> yeah, you've got two. You have two computer screens now. You didn't even have one before. Oh, you're getting so technical. <laughs> which which is something we're going to talk about here in a minute about how the how technical you're getting. Uh, so, and then the, I think we wrapped up with talking about uh, uh, metal jeeps, opposed to plastic jeeps, and uh, you uh, working yeah. towards doing uh, more talk about the the older jeeps and how things were done back then, and uh, really how they're still done, uh, and, and kind of the roots of of how we are where we are with jeeps, and we're still doing the same thing. It's just a different kind of jeep. Yeah, it's uh, it became more recreation than uh, a necessity of life because you know the jeep uh, when Willis overland or willis overland depending on what part of the nation you're from uh was a farm implement you know That's and right. uh, uh P- yeah pto drives from koenig was uh, was a thing standard thing you can get and uh, i actually have one on one of our jeeps actually my son's cj2a does have a pto drive on it and um Probably, I would say the mid fifties is when the Jeep became more of a civilian style. That's where the the CJ five came in. They went to a rounder in nineteen fifty five. Was the first. It's called a short fender five. Had an F head four cylinder in it, T ninety you know three speed, and um, they became more of a recreation vehicle. And and that's where the um, the uh, Wagoneers and stuff started, and they became a sportsman's outdoors enthusiast's secondary ride. And they were no longer the farmers uh, that would get them or the soldiers that would get them that reminded them of the war. And, and you know, they, the, the, the flat fender Jeep is what won the war, you know, World War II. So um, really 1955, it became recreation. And now we've grown to it's an entire cult nation. You know, and talking with a lot of people, you know, these last couple of weeks and just chatting about the Jeep talk show and, and all of this, that and the other, it, um, you know, the, one of the things was Jeep people are their own family, you know, it, and it, uh, it brought, it brings, you know, people from all walks of the nation. I mean, look at the difference between Tony and I, you know, you and I, I mean, how would, we would have never met each other had it not been just for our basic love of Jeeps. Mine is the older st- school stuff. You have. You know, a bunch of technology and beautiful stuff in your gladiator, you know, but we have the same love, right? So that uh, that's what, what makes us makes us friends and ultimately family, you know. Pretty lucky to have that. Oh, absolutely. And it's it's just amazing to me. Uh, I mean, even whenever it's not across the, across the country, because I'm down in southeast Texas, you're up in Kansas. Um, even when it's not across the country, whenever you have, uh, when you talk to somebody that, you know, has a Jeep or maybe they have a Jeep and you walk over and talk to them, you instantly have something in common. You instantly have something, uh, to talk about. Of course, there's a, some back and forth to find out, uh, if they're, a uh, a, a, a person that's taken the Jeep to the shop to have everything done <laughs> or if they're a, a bolt on person like myself, or if they are a fabricator, uh, kind of like, uh, Larry of, uh, Jeeping Mo. Uh, does so uh, there's various levels and that determines the the, the commonality between uh, jeepers right and it doesn't matter which one you are no, right? no, I, no. i'm i'm definitely the guy yeah i'm definitely the guy that does everything myself i've only had one uh, shop ever work on any of my stuff and it was an absolute atrocity I, they literally my jeep kept it hostage for seven and a half months and 
I'll never do that again. You know, I will just do it myself, you know, from here on out. And I don't have a problem, you know, with the, with the bolt on guys, the, the world or the, I'm not going to change my own oil guys. You got a Jeep, man. We like each other. Who cares? Oh yeah, so, absolutely. No, I'll make I'm, fun of them. Yeah. No, I'm not. I, I, I'm, I'll, I'll make fun of the John, John of the world, you know, but <laughs> it's just the level of discussion that you're going to have because uh, the, the commonality uh, right. that you may have in, in my case uh, for the, the, the fabricators, I'd be asking them questions about uh, how they did it what what you know do you have a welder do you you have a plasma gun uh, what how do you cut the metal how do you bend it do you have a, a break and all those things that i'd like to be able to do uh that uh, i really don't have the room for yeah. <laughs> so yeah it's it's not it's not a right. judgment call at all it's just uh the, the level of conversation that you're going to have right so one of the yep. things i left off on last time was talking about uh, the the thing that i was planning on talking to you about but we had such a great conversation talking about other things was um, the the whole story about uh, you listening to the Jeep Talk Show because you are a self-described non-technical person. And listening to the Jeep Talk Show is internet and doing things other than turning on a radio or TV as many people have uh, uh, consumed uh, shows in the past. So uh, I know you've told me before, but it's been a while, and uh, I'm sure uh, our listeners haven't heard this. How in the hell did you find about uh, found out about the Jeep Talk Show <laughs> on this thing that uh, has only been around for a short time, the internet? Yeah. So I uh, I'll start off by saying I am not a reality TV show guy. <laughs> I've always thought, why well, am I going to watch or listen to somebody else uh, when I have a life full of life? Right. I, I got the life people want to watch. Right. So I, uh, I'm not an internet junkie. Uh, I don't watch uh, reality TV shows. Actually, um, I don't have a television. My wife's got a television. I, I don't watch it. I don't care. And uh, I kind of just live my life. Well, the radio, I just always, you know, just turn the radio on and you're fine. And, you know, everything is, is hunky dory. But what was happening was there was so much advertising bullshit that I just started hating even listening to the radio. So I was on a job site with a friend of mine and he is a huge, huge internet radio person and he listens to a lot of talk shows. And um, I asked him, I said, you know, how do you get all this crap? And everyone kind of knows that Chuck doesn't know what he's doing on the internet. <laughs> you know, I, I have a, I, up until a month ago, I didn't even have a, have my own like email website thingy. You know, it's always just like, whatever, who cares? I, I don't really need it. So Steven said, hey, it's it's called a podcast. And I'm like, what's a podcast? And this was, what, a year and a half ago? Maybe a year ago? All right. Uh, yeah, right at about a year ago. And I go, what's a podcast? And he laughed. He goes, oh, these are just one-hour episodes where you can listen to people talk. And I go, well, why do you want to listen to someone else talk? Why don't you just talk yourself? And he laughs. He goes, yeah, Chuck, we know you like to talk. You know? <laughs> so he was listening to a, a podcast thing, and, and I was driving home from the job site or i think i was writing you know he was driving the, the truck and uh on my phone there was a little thingy that says podcasts and i thought i've never seen that you know it's just a smartphone apple smartphone or whatever so i push on it and it's got like this little search bar thingy and I, everyone's listening to it and go yeah chuck get to the point <laughs> i just wrote jeep because you know i th that's all i care about is jeep and sure shit there's a jeep talk show so i thought oh okay so i i listened and my buddy steven is like oh geez you know could you listen to something else and i go no i want to listen to this jeep talk show thingy so i had it linked up to with the truck 
And it was just some random episode, you know, 300 and whatever, or 400 or whatever, you know, whatever you guys were at a year ago. And, and I thought, man, these guys are pretty bitching. This is pretty cool. So that's what started it. And then I realized that I could download the Jeep Talk Show thingy, the app on my phone. Mm -hmm. So I, I came home and Josh, my son, who's, uh, you know, at, at the time he was, you know, 16 years old. I said, hey, help me download this thingy. And he goes, just push it, Dad. <laughs> just push it. Say download. I'm like, okay. So he did that for me. And he goes, what is this? I said, I don't know. And he goes, holy shit, are you listening to a podcast? And I go, I think that's what it's called. And so sure as shit, there, there's this, this podcast thing. So I start listening to it when, when I go to work. And you guys were doing like one episode. A week, I think. Yeah, maybe probably two. So. Probably so. And one of that, one of them, yeah, one of them was the campsite, campsite fire chat, campfire side yep. chat, whatever, campfire what side the, chat, whatever the hell you guys used to call it. Uh huh. On this on this Zoom thingy, which is also on the computer. So I, I said, son, help me get on this Zoom thingy. He goes, what, dad? Like, what the hell <laughs> what is the, going on? What the dad? hell you happened know, you to you? Did you hit work? your head? <laughs> Yeah, he's like, are you gonna start wearing high heels and lipstick? You know what the hell have you you going off the deep end? So I I listened to it and um, you guys know you know I'm having a couple beers and I'm listening to it and it you know sounds like you know 47 different people are having 15 conversations all at once and there was this guy John on there and I thought oh I can pick on this guy you know. <laughs> And we started laughing and joking, and I had an absolute blast talking with people. I had no idea who the hell anyone was. You know, I'm sitting in my office here, and uh, just, I think I called him a pussy a couple times, and big tires, and, oh, you don't need none of that. You know, you got a small wiener or something. <laughs> and, you know, like, like any good old boy would, and everyone was just laughing and having a good time. And I thought, boy, this is pretty neat. So then the... Uh, the the next day you guys had an episode out or or so, maybe later that week or something and i remember very specifically john um josh who's the co-host you know original co-host of the show um was talking about something the jeep for your desk and i got excited i was like oh someone else has a jeep desk and no, he was talking about some Lego thingy that you can get that is a Jeep that you can put on your office desk. And I thought, no, nope, nope, nope. I got to show these guys what a real Jeep <laughs> desk is. So I took pictures of my Scrambler front end Jeep desk, which is what I have. And I sent that, remember that email I sent to you guys. I don't know if you remember it, but I know Josh does. And it was of my Jeep deck. And sure as shit, on the next episode, he talked about it. And there was something that went through my, my body when that happened. I thought, I've got a connection with these guys that I've never met. These guys are super, super cool. So um, it wasn't, God, it was right about this time of the year because it was right about Thanksgiving of last year. Uh, I was starting to talk to mom. And this is where the show and I became very, very close. And you know what's about to happen, Tony. Uh, Dad started getting sick. And um, we knew that this was not just a cold. There was something seriously going on. And it wasn't COVID or anything like that. It was something inside of them. You know, we all know it now as cancer. At the time, we were just hopeful. So I, uh, Stephen, who was my best friend that works with me, uh, he said, got to go. And I said, yep, I'm, I'm going to go see dad. 
So I came home, talked to mom, and I said, uh, not, not, not mom, my, my wife, Mary Lee. I said, Mary Lee, I'm going to go do something for dad. She goes, what is it? And I go, well, well I'm going to load up you know, his Jeep, his grandson's Jeep, my Jeep, and I'm going to haul it to California. And I didn't have the semi at the time. So it was kind of a big feat for the one ton. You know, it's just a one ton dually to do this. And, and um, we all decided this was going to be a good idea. I was going to, you know, um, celebrate dad's life with him. Uh, with his grandsons and uh, and his wife, my mom. So uh, we decided that I'm, I'm going to drive, and I, I think I gave myself two days to get ready. And um, my wife said, there's no way that I'm going to let you drive that long of a trailer. It was a 40-something foot long gooseneck loaded to the teeth with Jeeps. She said, you're not going by yourself. I said, okay, no big deal. So um, we decided that Nathan, who is my oldest son, he was going to ride with me. Now, mind you, I had just found out about the Jeep talk show. I'd been on the campsite fire chat once, and I had emailed you guys once. So I started taking pictures and um, emailing them to you, and you called me back, you know, emailed me back going, I remember when I lost my dad. And then there was this instantaneous connection, friendship with you and I. And I said, I, I think I'm just going to start sending you guys emails about this. So we decided I was going to leave on a Tuesday. And uh, no, it was a Wednesday, excuse me. And um, jo uh, Nathan gets in the passenger seat. I get in the driver's seat. And I went to the Jeep podcast, you know, download thingy. And I pushed play. And it started playing them back to back with the newest all the way to the oldest. And it's a 24-hour drive to California. But if you remember, I, I had a headwind. I was doing 15 miles an hour one day. Oh, there, uh, was we some, there was some ice, ice and stuff. Yeah. You know, that day. It was really slow yeah. for the snow so and ice too, wasn't it? Crawling. Right. It, we were crawling. Ended up taking us three entire days to get to uh, Sacramento, south, just south of Sacramento, a little town, uh, Franklin, California. And... Um, my son, Nathan, despised Nikki G the entire time. <laughs> and I, I, I still remember him. His eyes are rolling. And I'm trying to make the best of it. You know, and I'm videoing stuff. And, and um, I think I was emailing you guys the videos. And it was, it was laughing. And you guys did a plug about, you know, hey, this is going across the United States. And, and it was very, it, it was, I would say our relationship was still in utero. You know, I mean, we're very, very, very young in our relationship. And uh, that Jeep talk show, all listening to most all of them. I mean, it was a lot all the way there, back to back to back. And then uh, videoing, you know, uh, um, just how mom and dad reacted, you know, when I showed up, because of course they, they, they know I'm in Kansas, you know, I'm, I'm an active rancher, you know, we, we own the cattle ranch here. I'm sure everybody knows at that point, at this point, and I own the construction company, you know, so it's not like I have a lot of extra time to go do extracurricular stuff. So when I showed up and, you know, dad comes out, he's, and you can tell he's, he's sick, you know, and I'm much bigger than my dad. And I, you know, he says, son, you know, what are you doing? You know, with a very creaky voice, you know, what are you doing here? And I get, I was able to give him a big old hug and kiss him on his little bald head. And I said, I hear you're not feeling well. And I wanted to make you smile. And he just broke down, started crying. And, uh, after that, that emotional time was there, you know, we turn around around and uh he goes what in the hell did you do and i go well 
it's not too many times that three generations of jeepers get to go wheeling together there you know dad was that was too sick at the time he, he couldn't could not go for wheeling but that's not the point the point was getting everybody together so um after the emotional stuff of that day and that night you know uh my wife and my youngest son um they fly in the next day we pick them up and gr granddad and grandson start working on josh's jeep there was a little things he needed to do you know change the transmission oil and, and you do some some things like, like this and, and dad's got all this stuff in his garage still even though i i have possession of his jeep and uh that afternoon we were able to take a uh, about a two hour two and a half hour river delta ride because the the delta is just down the street from mom and dad's ranch house and um i started sharing with them the jeep talk show and they're like podcast what's that you know <laughs> but it, it was it was just a great time and that i i think i shared with you like hey you know you um you talking about it on the show and i don't even know what episode that was i mean this is a year ago that a long time ago you know mm -hmm. but um that made an instant connection and when i came home uh i told my wife i says i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna start hanging out with these guys more you know and so fast forward now here i am a, a the newest co-host and get to do a lot of stuff with the jeep talk show and a lot of interactions with the the listeners and stuff it's it's a it was it's a bitch in time and in so did you now did, you know i, I did, just went did your wife did mary lee want to know what was wrong with you because i mean there's already a concern because you're getting into the technical side of things and then you don't already have enough to do you want to get involved in some way with this right. thing a podcast that you just found out about yeah she she rolls her eyes at, at the time she thought it was just a dream you know like oh, okay we'll see yeah, you know we'll and see then now that <laughs> yeah we'll see yeah and now you know i mean hell i've got the, the all the studio stuff here you know you've even got me two screens on the damn computer you know so i can do things and and uh, uh and be a part of it and now she just rolls her eyes and says, you know, how do you have time for this? And you're like, well, I don't, but <laughs> there's a connection there that will never go away. You know, I can't, I'll never get it out of me now. Mm -hmm. Well, I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to take away from your story, but I, I, you going through that reminds me of uh, just how amazed I was. We say it on the show that we love hearing from our listeners, but hearing about uh, you talk, sharing with us that your, your dad was ill and you were going across country with a bunch of Jeeps because you needed to, to go over there and be with him and let him know that he's, he's cared for and he's uh, appreciated and uh, the, the common heritage of Jeeps. You took the Jeeps over there just to, just to be there for him. Uh, that was absolutely amazing to me because that means that the, the Jeep talk show isn't just some sort of entertainment for people. It's a way of connecting um, you on another level for you. I th and, and, and don't let me put words in your mouth, but it was able. It, it meant that you were able to connect with another level of that connection that you were going to uh, make with your dad with Jeeps. You were able to to listen to the people that were thinking about Jeeps too and talking about it. And it was like a, mm -hmm. a like-minded. Um, it just made your situation a lot better and that that was so important to me uh that if, if for no other reason uh 12 years of doing the show or at that time 11 years of doing a show that this made a difference in somebody's life and that is that is an absolute gift 
for somebody to share that with us. Mm-hmm. And and I, I suspect you're not the only one, but you shared it with us. And it for me personally, it meant so right. much knowing that just doing the show uh, meant something to you, something more so than just uh, a casual bit of entertainment. Right. And for any listeners that is out there, I thought it was corny as shit for me to take pictures of, you know, here's this, you know, Dodge Dooley with, you know, three Jeeps on it. And here's the story in the background and blah, 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 blah. Who really cared? You know, that's what I thought. I said, I'm going to send it, but no one really gives a shit, you know, because remember, I'm not an internet guy. I don't do social media or I didn't at the time, no social media, no, 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 um, um, reality TV show. No one gives a shit. Just live your life and be done, you know, work really hard and then die. And when I sent that stuff in and your response was overwhelmingly, thank you very much. This means so much. I thought, wow, really? Does it really matter? And now being on this side of it, yeah, it does. Getting that interaction and knowing that, hey, you know, we, we all have this, this central nervous system of Jeeps, right? We have the central love of Jeep. But to hear that actually, no, it goes deeper than that. We want to share our life with you. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, you've received and a lot of acceptance no, being the list, on the show. You know, both sides of now. Right. And I thought, no, and I, I say it all the time, like, who the hell would ever want to listen to me or watch me or do whatever? And everyone's like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, let's do it. Like, hell yeah, they want to listen. You know, and, and remind, I mean, remember, I didn't know that everyone didn't live this life. You know, I, I thought everyone had a Jeep growing up. You know, what do you mean you don't go Jeeping? What do you mean you don't go camping with your Jeep? What do you mean that you didn't ride on the front fender of your Jeep? You know, I thought, hell, everyone did it. And now you go like, no, people want to hear about this stuff. Or, you know, like when, when, uh, when we did the, the Hidden Falls thing uh, this last June, mm-hmm. you know, taken, now it's upgraded. Now I have a, a, a Peterbilt, I have a semi, and I'm hauling four Jeeps now. You know, people are like, that's freaking cool. <laughs> and being able to share that with you guys, right? Yep. And it, uh, it, it's, it's wonderful, wonderful. And I thought it was, I honestly thought, because you know, I really thought that you guys were a big deal. I mean, you are. You know, I mean, the, the, the Jeep talk show is a big deal. <laughs> Until you got to know us. But, uh, you know, had, yeah, now I know, like, ugh, <laughs> Josh likes terrible cigars. You know, but uh, <laughs> I really thought that I was going to send this Send, send these things in and you were just going to go and eh, whatever who gives a shit but the fact that you like even like threw some josh even threw some stuff out there on the show and, and actually did a little segment about it a little five minute plug about it that warmed my heart because people cared you know people cared that i was going across the u.s to go you know visit my dad and i was brand new i mean there, there's been listeners for you know gosh you know 10 years to you guys you know and and it was uh, it was real neat. I w- I put myself out there. I I made myself vulnerable, and uh, you guys did the best thing you could, which is kick it back and say, "Man, we love you too." Yeah, and that was great. That was a an amazing time. And now, being on this side, you know, it's it's uh it's good to hear listeners their stories and how we get to uh, get to affect it. You yeah. Know, well, you know, in a and, positive way. Yeah, in the the Zoom meeting we were talking about, you got on the Zoom meeting, which of course just I'm sure freaked everybody out in your family. <laughs> so you're you're joining in on the Zoom meeting, and pretty soon people were going, "Oh, that Chuck guy! Oh, that Chuck guy! It's just he's he's hilarious. He just says you know anything, 
and uh, John Lee was uh, was uh, you know getting from his his nice side to his more aggressive side because John Lee's Air Force, former Air Force, your former Army, so of course that was one uh, of the points of contention. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he, we won't hold that. Again against them he does he does shoots it back at you now he actually i think he's got some stuff stored up so whenever you're on there he can uh, he's ready to deliver it to you it's just it's hilarious uh john lee being a team member yes and uh of, of the jeep talk show so it's it's just so much fun and then uh when you made it uh, known that uh you wanted to be part of the show you wanted to be on the show uh it was a blessing and, and i think i even talked to you about this that uh, i was a little concerned that you were just too enthusiastic about the show. I was afraid you were going to burn out <laughs> on liking the show because it was like, yeah. I mean, I don't like using the term you know fan, but I, I would say super fan is, is where you were, uh, especially driving an 18 with her down with four Jeeps on the back <laughs> and providing food and everything for everybody on that, uh, that uh, second annual Jeep talk show event at Hidden Falls that we had. Uh, I was like, oh, man, this can't last. This can't be true. But, of course, it is, and you're still here. <laughs> yeah, I, re- I remember that uh, that text message, you know, because I'm very, very busy. You know, I, I have two, three full-time jobs and, and a family, and, and uh, I still have my Jeeps to try to keep running. Uh, when you have eight Jeeps that you try to keep running, I mean, that's a, that's a full-time gig all by itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember the email from you because I had not talked to you in a couple days. You know, I think it was like, you know, two, three, four days, and I wasn't a host at this time, but definitely a, a part of the team. And you go, hey, I, I was just really worried that your light had fizzled out. <laughs> and I'm yeah. thinking, my light is so bright, man, like it's never going to fizzle out. And you're like, well, we really want, I, I want to keep you, you know, I want to make sure that you're always here. And I'm like, oh, that's when I reassured you, you know, I'm not a part of mediocrity. You know, absolutely, I'm going to be a part of the show, you know, whether you want me to or not. You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to get it in here god damn it <laughs> yep and yeah. of course and of course this Absolutely this this insane it. interest in being part of this uh this little jeep talk show uh, uh had you i mean it was an opportunity for you to go to sema for the first time but you could have gone there and just enjoyed yourself and i, I know you did enjoy yourself but you could have just enjoyed yourself been there for you oh, yeah and uh, you were out there promoting uh promoting the jeep talk show heavily out there talking to so many people that uh, yes. people industry people that are, are going to uh, pay dividends uh, in uh, in benefits for the show and and I'm sure it's going to be in the form of, of more listeners which we're always uh, looking to do because I mean your story is so wonderful uh, I just like the idea of not only having those those listeners from the standpoint of just uh, having uh, greater downloads which means a lot to us just because. It's nice being accepted, like what you were saying earlier, and when we have download uh, more downloads, that just shows greater acceptance, but also, too, more stories like yours, M- more people that we can uh, help them with their lives, making their lives a little better. I mean, I don't want to be corny about this, but it, it just meant so right. much to me, and it, it, means to, it means a lot to everybody on the show that you know we're doing something that is important to people. It may not be important in the big scheme of things, uh, it's not curing cancer. It's not, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, coming up with uh, vaccines and stuff. But it is. It makes people feel better. It makes them laugh. They they get informed, but more importantly, they get entertained, and they don't have to think about something that bothers them for a little bit. And and that's really really that's important. That's what I was about to say. So with my very fast pace country life you know if you, 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 everyone thinks okay he's a rancher everything's slow oh absolutely not man i mean we are we are 
moving and shaking every hour of every waking day. And I was able to decompress. You know, I'll remind you, you know, when I got, when I got back from first deployment, you know, that's how I decompressed. I got in my Jeep and I would just go out to the woods and hide, you know, and just be by myself and my dog. And, you know, the, the world was great. Well, now I got to do that on the way to work. You know, I didn't have to be in my Jeep out in the woods. I can listen to the Jeep talk show and the entertainment value I decompressed, you know, and I really think that's the, the major part of the show. You know, everyone has a job, you know, it's called a job for a reason. It's not always the funnest. Right. So if, now I get to be a part, I get to be a part of the entertainment value of, hey man, life's, life's still cool. You know, we're, we're still kicking. Life's good. We all got Jeeps. Some of them want run. Most of them don't, you know, <laughs> you can listen to it and have a real good time with it. And that, that's very special to be a part of and being a listener. Cause I do listen to the show, you know, I, and, uh, I'm not on every episode, you know, so I, I get to listen to it and, and, uh, decompress and just kind of be excited. You have a big smile on my face and yell at, yell at the radio when, you know, Josh or Wendy, are you saying something I don't agree? I go, damn it, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually what I was just I thinking it. was about uh, if uh, – I always love it in my head that people are, are yelling back at their phone or their radio or wherever they're listening and uh, you're wrong or oh, yeah, or, you know, preach his sister or something along those lines. So that's cool. I like yeah. that. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, we all have uh, all have a different uh, different view of stuff. You know, I mean, I was sitting there talking to mom and dad this last weekend about it because the stories that they have and the stories that my dad has. I mean, I, I was posting stuff on Instagram. You know, dad back in 74 had paddle tires on the back of a CJ. You know, how many times do you see that nowadays? You know, he's out on, out in, um, oh, I don't know what, whatever area they were in California where they were racing in the sand and dunes and stuff. And you're like, good night. And they were, you know, how's the show? How's this? Because they they listen to it now, and they're, they're very interested in the production of it, and how cool is it? And I said, you know, it's really neat because in the jeeping world, there's kind of like two areas. You've got your wheelers, and you've got what's coined now your overlanders. And I says, I'm right in the middle because I went wheeling to go camping, right? So I can I, I understand the you know the overlanding world and the camping aspect of it, but I also understand the rock crawling aspect of it. And it's neat to be able to interact with the both sides of the of the world, you know. And it's great because we, we've got listeners that they use their jeeps to go camping. You know, they're not they're they're not uh, out there trying to go over that five foot ledge. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're like, oh, I'll just go around the five foot ledge because there's literally a road right there. Why, why don't you do that? And then there's the side they're like, no, I want to see if I can get up that five foot ledge. And you can, you know, especially when we do the Tuesdays. You know, you get that interaction back and forth, you know, and it's it's great to be a part of. I absolutely love the, the differencing of opinions, you know. Yeah. Well, we're not a Dana 60 rock crawler, like you say, five foot ledge uh, Jeep talk show. We are uh, really, really any people, anybody that has a Jeep. And I and we've been told that we're great for beginners and, you know, beginner Jeepers are happening all the time. And there's a lot more beginner jeepers than there are right. those Dana sixty five foot ledge crawlers. So uh, I'm I'm glad we can appeal right. to to a, a newbie audience. And also too, this is really important from the standpoint of your experience with the older jeeps, the first jeeps, uh, because uh, that's that's a subject that a lot of people aren't going to know much about. And just finding out uh, how how jeeps right. came about and how they came from where they are. Uh, mm -hmm. then to now, I think is, is a very interesting story. Yeah. 
it's uh spending time uh in SEMA for the week with uh all different walks of the jeeping community and the, some of them you know very big names and just chatting about the lineage of jeeps and stuff and the fact that these old steel jeeps are still being used today mm -hmm. you know if if you think i mean i uh, after we're, we're done here i'm gonna you know go put my pants back on and then go out and and uh, start tuning up my winter jeep you know my winter jeep is a, um, is a high hood it's a 56 high hood and you know people are like what even what the hell is a high hood you know you're like oh well they changed the motor and this is why because they went from a 50 horse to a 90 horse you know wow the horse motor you know and that they, 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 so they made this damn high hood thingy well we use it you know every week we get in our jeep and we get older jeep guys are fascinated about that and i think newer community will go holy shit you know here's a 80 something year old rig you know i got my 41 we don't use it for cattle you know hauling but and it's still being used and it's all original like you're still using these old 50s components like absolutely i am yeah that how cool is that you know it's uh it, it's neat to be able to talk to people about it and, and you're actually still on the hunt for old jeeps i think you have a uh, a list the, of every jeep that uh, uh old jeep that you want to want to own and you're always on the lookout for one of these things yeah actually uh, on thursday i uh, got got a phone call from i don't know his name uh his name in my phone is called jeep neighbor <laughs> uh, he lives on the other side of the county where i <laughs> i have a i have a large building on the other side of the county that uh, is full of uh, antique vehicles and jeeps and parts and motors and you know you name it it uh, so it's our mall it's where we go shopping and uh, he called me he calls me charlie like i don't think he knows my name either he goes charlie you know where are you at and i told him oh, i'm in las vegas you know partying it up and he, go, he goes okay when you get back i need your help I'm like oh, okay no problem so uh he, he called me again on thursday and uh he says i just need help with my my old jeep he's he's been remodeling his rebuilding his for two years now and just a neat old rancher you know got a handful of cows you know square in the land and and uh just as a neat neat guy and i went over there with my son josh because josh needs to be a part of it he needs to start showing people that he has a very large knowledge base when it comes to these vehicles because you know he had to hand build his he got his at 14 years old had to drop a new motor in it by himself and all of that i sat there but uh, i made him do all of the wrenching mm -hmm. And we go over there and this guy just cannot get his motor running. He goes, I, I can't get it running. I says, well, first things first, I just start gutting all the spark plugs and start checking stuff out. And like 15 minutes later, Josh and I had that thing purring like a kitten. And th this older gentleman goes, oh my God, you know, thank you so much. I can't, he's a, I've been literally trying to get this thing running for months now. And I go, no problem, you know? And I said, what happened to that other old Jeep? He goes, oh, it's out back. I go, well, I'm actually looking for one. And my son just starts laughing. He goes, of course you are. We go back there and he goes, you can have it if you want. Thanks for doing that. And I said, oh, I'll pay for it. And he goes, oh, shit, you can have it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I look right. at my son, Josh, <laughs> who you've seen, you've seen his Jeep, mm -hmm. you know, uh, his Jeep's got a big hole in the hood that the previous owner had put a giant hole in the hood. And so we just screwed a piece of sheet metal over it, right? Because it's just an old, old ranch Jeep that he's rebuilding. And uh, so now Josh just learned that's how you get your parts you know and i'm a huge huge advocate for this i got that jeep i don't need it but i wanted the parts off of it so i looked at my son i go well there's your hood i'll take your hood we'll swap it you just got that's a thousand dollar hood right 
to go buy a new one. It's a thousand bucks. You just got it done for free because we have a parts Jeep. And, you know, my son was, he's learning. He goes, okay, this is how you do it. Like, yes, you don't have to buy everything brand new over the shelf. You just wait long enough. And if your feelers are out there, you'll find it. And then you swap your parts. So now we've got another, you know, parts Jeep. You know, it's not complete, you know, but uh, it, we've got all the parts. It would be a, what's called a basket rig, right? It just comes in a l large basket. And um, he just got his parts that he needed. And I'm uh, I, talking with Greg when we were in SEMA. I think I'm going to make a, a a rat rod out of it, which I know is sacrilegious, but I'm going to do it anyhow. So. <laughs> <laughs> always looking for them. Always, always. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, they're not making any more of them. Right. Right. I mean, they, they, there's a lot of repop stuff. And I'm kind of a purist when it comes to stuff like that. Like, I want the old American steel. I don't want repop. There's nothing wrong with repop. There's a lot of uh, beautifully done uh, vintage Jeeps that have aftermarket stuff on it that look stock, but they're not. And to a guy like me, you can, you can see it. You know, even to the CJ5 fenders, you know, if you go out right now and you buy an aftermarket CJ5 fender, the cutout for the um, shock perch, the shock mount, is wrong. So I can usually walk up to a CJ, look right into the, the, the fender well and tell you if that's all original or not. Because for whatever reason, when they started you know, making the dies and cutting them out, they put the damn shock tower wrong. So you have to make it longer and cut it out and stuff like that. You know, so I, for me, if I'm going to go buy something, I'm going to go buy an old parts Jeep and get the ones that are actually the uh, AMC American or, or Willys Overland American steel, you know, or Kaiser. I mean, Kaiser made the Jeep for a couple of years too. A lot of people don't know, but yep. Always looking. Yeah. You were actually looking at uh, going and picking up uh, about $40,000 worth of uh, old Jeeps uh, a few weeks ago and uh, work called and said, nope, we need this instead. But uh, you were getting ready to make a, a 16 <laughs> yeah. hour back and forth and, uh, uh, bring back a lot of Jeep parts with you, and I think functional Jeeps as well. So, uh, but yeah, always on the lookout and yeah. uh, not not squeamish about getting uh, getting stuff for a good price. No, I, I was uh, very disappointed when that uh, that little bit of life uh, fell through the cracks. You know, that guy up north, he had all this stuff, and he. Uh, my wife knows, and she's a hundred percent behind it. Uh, I want to get one of every model. I don't have to have one of every year, but. Um, the Jeep really did change, you know, a lot, of course. Um, but as they went through the different ownerships, you know, when Willys had it and they sold it to Kaiser, Kaiser sold it back to Willys, and then AMC had it, and AMC sold it to Daimler Chrysler. You know, there's all of these things that that they've done, and I want one of every one of them, you know. And uh, that guy up north had the CJ6 that I wanted and uh, a short Fender 5, right, the CJ5. Uh, there is two different styles of CJ5. A lot of people don't know. 1971, they actually ex extended the uh, the hood and the front fenders to allow for the uh, the uh, the inline six that they ran for you know 100 years. It seems like before that there was the V6. You know, in the of course the four cylinder and the four cylinder even changed. You know, from from the L head to the F head. And uh, there is also a lot of neat stuff that they made, like this thing called a Jeepa trench. Which uh, in the fifties, you know, they were making CJ fives with the rear end of the five, uh, just a giant trencher that 
that uh, you can get out with the engine running and make this trencher work and it would self-propel and go down the way and this guy had two of them so i was going to buy one of those for our our uh our collection here in the cj short fender five and a cj day six and uh, probably some other ones because you can put a lot of parts on the flat fin uh, on the semi but uh work needed a new rv trailer so <laughs> i literally took every single penny that i had for jeeps and bought an rv trailer which unfortunately that's the life of a businessman you got to make business decisions yeah well one's going to make you money and one was going to uh, give you entertainment and joy so uh to, to keep doing the second one you got to do the first one <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah it does we have a small fortune in uh in jeeps and parts and and stuff like I, when i was talking to greg about building the the, the rat the rat rod flat fender um i've got a 44 that we call it our top shelf jeep and for fun you know i put it up on the in the rafters of our shop where when you walk in you know there's american flags everywhere and you can see this 1944 you know the nine slat you know world war ii jeep that every and people would just drool over having i'm not going to do anything with it it just sits up there and i told greg i said maybe that's what we'll build the rat out of it and uh you know i was even talking to my son and my wife and they were like you're gonna what yeah you know it's just sitting up there it's not really doing anything you know we'll do it so the fact that i got this other jeep given to me you know i can i can build it out of that now instead of cutting up a, a beautiful you know it's pretty it's pretty destroyed but it's still cool because it's a it, it's all original you know four door which is pretty neat yep uh so i don't know if you want to go down this path or not i don't remember if we talked about this uh on the uh, the 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 first interview that we did with you uh yesterday was uh, at the time of the recording of this yesterday was veterans day and you were definitely a veteran mm -hmm. uh and uh you uh I, I mean i don't want to pick on john without him being here but that's kind of fun in itself uh you weren't in the the relatively safe uh area of a plane overhead you were actually on the ground with the army so it's a true true story uh but the guy works for me uh steven uh you know i take him out to lunch all the time and it was veterans day so you know we went out to beers and pizza and we're sitting there and you can tell like a bunch of i would say right after vietnam era so these guys are in their 60s you know and they all getting together and you can tell they haven't seen each other in a year and steven and i are sitting there you know at our at our booth and they're all air force guys and they're all laughing and joking and then next thing you know they that you, you can definitely tell that Stephen and I are veterans, and um, they had to hand me a beer from the bar. You know, they block, you know, we start joking about Army versus Air Force, and you know, I won't hold it against you, and all that stuff. So very neat guys, and there's four of them and two of us. And as we leave, I go up to him. I says, "Hey man, it was great. You know, thank you for your service. This, that, and the other." And I says, "And just to leave you on this, you know, the fight was on the floor, boys." And we walk out, and they. <laughs> just come on him you know they're laughing like you sob and steven's like chuck there's four of them and i go ah, i know it would have been fine i mean we might have broken a sweat but we would have won you know <laughs> so so my uh, my dad the uh, the guy that taught me how to jeep he is air force so uh i do not care what service branch you are i will make fun of you you know whether it's army you know if you're a crayon eater you know marine or you know whatever so uh it's kind of a well-known thing in the military um, community that uh, you show endearment by picking on each other mm -hmm. you know that's how men men show each other so john being air force you know 
he just knows he's going to get it and he doesn't care like he'll be yep chuck you were a ground pounder you know i was the combat medic for the recon scouts you know that's that's a pretty hard job you know and we were outside the big scary wall you know we use air air quotes we were outside the big scary wall and john's like i was in an air conditioned bunker you know <laughs> screw you man i was happy <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, that's why you have that's why you have girl hands and a jeep with you know 40s. So <laughs> yeah, it's really yeah. Cool. Very proud of my service. That's that's where I uh, uh, I actually went in when I was older. Uh, I signed up when I was 29. I was a CEO of a, of a large construction company on the West Coast, and uh, just kind of felt that uh, I don't want to live that what if life. And uh, the jeeping uh, world kind of made me very adventurous. So I came home one day, looked at my girlfriend at the time, my, my wife currently, but it was, she was my girlfriend. And I said, hey, I love you very much. I'm going to the army. Just a random one day. I just made the decision. And she's like, well, you don't have to get rid of me like that. You know, I could just leave. And I says, no, I want you to come with me, but I'm going to the army. She's like, you're 30. I said, well, I'm, I'm 29. I mean, I lied to you. I'm really not 30. I'm only 29. But uh, <laughs> so uh, went into the service and um, 13 days after... Uh, going through my uh, advanced training uh, was deployed. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Lived my just the my my military story is what everyone really wants it to be. You get in, you did your time, you got to experience the world. Been on four continents. You know, I got to live in Central Africa. You know, we a lot of people don't even know that we had you know boots on the ground there. And uh, then got out and just kept moving along, you know, really got tested. And that's where I found myself. You know, I was early 30s and finally found that, uh, yeah, man, life is good. Love it. Yeah. And there was some pretty scary things that happened over there because you were uh, going door to door, uh, checking houses and stuff. And uh, you actually lost a lot of your hearing uh, due to firing weapons inside uh, yeah. closed closed environments. Yeah, I... Uh, uh, I just lost my hearing from shooting in general, but uh, I think the funnest the funnest moment that I had while I, while I was in uh, deployed to Baghdad, we were at uh, at um, a JTS Falcon. Um, is I was there for about three days, and uh, there's a they boil your clothes to wash them. Uh, so there's a bit there's like a a wash point on this little. Uh, JTS or COP or, or FOB or whatever you want to call it. It's very, very, very small. And, uh, you know, I got my little duffel bag over my, my shoulder. I'm private Joe Snuffy. I don't know anything that's going on. And I'm just do to do to do, you know, going through and you hear this, you know, sound. And you're like, huh, I wonder what that was. You know, I, I've never, you know, all I know about combat is seeing in the movies. You know, I don't really know what it really is. So I just keep walking and I'm oblivious, live my life in my own world. And the next thing I hear is a boom, and I look over and I'm like, well, that was closer than the first one. Huh? That's weird. I just kept walking. And then the third one happened. Boom, and I realized it's walking in on my point and I'm walking to them and I look around and everyone is just scattering like ants, just running away from where this mortars are incoming and I'm walking to it. So, like, it, it hits you. You know, this is a matter of seconds, you know, five seconds, you know, three seconds. You're like, oh, shit. These are literally mortar rounds coming into where I'm standing. So, I turn around, I, and it's the, you know, the Looney Tunes character. You know, I'm running, but my feet are moving, but I'm not going anywhere, and I'm mm -hmm. just scrambling. Now, I'm on my hands and legs, and I, 
I slide behind a, a T-wall and my platoon sergeant is there laughing his ass off. And I'm like, holy F, what the F was that? And he said, I thought we were going to watch you die. <laughs> You've been here for three days and you're walking in on incoming. I'm like, holy shit, man. <laughs> and we're, I will never forget that because it's not like the movies say. I mean, it's just, it's not. Hollywood's depiction of it is is way more dramatic. You know, there isn't this fireball of breathing dragons and shit. It was literally just this little dust ball. You know, that was it. And that was the the mortar rounds coming in. Oh, that's interesting. When you said that, I thought you were talking about shots being fired, maybe even sniper action. I didn't realize it was a damn mortar. Good Lord. It was was mortars that they were shooting in from who knows how far away. And they were just, they were just randomly trying to get a guy. And well, I found out very soon and I was a bullet magnet. You know, you're like, son of a bitch, man. (laughs) So, Yeah. That was a welcome to Baghdad. (laughs) Oh my God. And that started, uh, oh, it, I can laugh at it now, you know, but uh, at the time, you know, you wake up every day and we, um, I was here with five, four Cav scouts at first infantry division here at Fort Riley. And that's where I ended up living. I, I bought the ranch just right down the street from the, from the post here. And, um, I can tell you that, uh, five, four Cav Apache troop, uh, in 2011, they were one of the toughest, harder than nails, sons of bitches you'll ever meet. And we were incredibly aggressive. And that's why we all came home alive. And even though there was a lot of animosity in those teams, when we would go out, and uh, I think the last time that I talked with my platoon sergeant, we, uh, Willie T, uh, his, his acronym is uh, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. That's how you say his name, which is, of course, you know, what the fuck. But uh, that was, it was Willie T. Flores was my platoon sergeant. And a great, great guy. I think we did uh, like 250 missions in 365 days. So, you know, you, you think of that and every time we'd go out, you know, you'd have your moment with God and go, is today the day? You know, and then when you come home, you'd hear, you're not today, son. You're like, thank you. And then you get spun up again. We were, uh, we would play roles and uh, we would be um, QRF, which was quick reaction force. And you were allowed, I don't know, something ridiculous, like three minutes by the time incoming came out, you know, over the net that you had to be outside the big scary wall in these we had 1151 uh, up armored Humvees and you know, you go, okay, God is today the day, you know, is, is this, is, is this when I'm going to get waxed, you know? And as the medic, you know, you're very important out there. Um, first, first and foremost, you're a soldier and then, then you're a gunner and then you're a, uh, then you're a medic, you know, and you just kind of think, you know, is today the day God up, oh, not today, son. All right. Thanks. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, how has that affected your life after being through that? I would think that uh, just, making it through a day of uh, potential death uh, makes things uh, in normal everyday life uh, seem a lot um, less concerning, I would say. Yeah. So I have a saying and uh, it's uh, no one's shooting at you, you know, at work, you know, maybe, maybe something bad's happening at work. Maybe there's a piece of equipment that's not running or maybe the client is not being, uh, being nice. You know, we weren't, no one's shooting at you. And that really brings everything into perspective. And the confidence level is incredibly high. You know, you just go, hey, whatever. You know, I, I, I can do this. You know, it doesn't really matter what the task is. Yeah, sure. Of course you can do that. You know, ain't no shooting at you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So on the flip side of it, life also can be incredibly boring. <laughs> so I have 
I, yeah. I mean, your day-to-day hub drub, you know, when you know what real adrenaline feels like, you know, and I've been able to jump out of airplanes and ride in helicopters and shoot 50 cows. I mean, I shot an AT4, blew up a tank, you know, you, you do that kind of crap. And then you come and you're like, oh, I need to send an email today. I'm like, this. <laughs> I want to go back. You know, I think uh, anybody that's no shit been overseas in a combat unit, maybe, I, I don't know how it is to not be in a combat unit. Maybe John can help me out with this. But when you get back, life is very boring. Very, very. And all you think about is, I want to go back. You know, they go, how the hell do you want to go back? Well, combat's better than sex. I mean, the adrenaline rush is just really exciting, you know? So, I think that's why I, uh, and, and I'm an avid jeeper. I push myself, you know, my rigs, you know, pretty good. Yeah, is because I, I loved that adventurous lifestyle, you know, that we got to live. And especially on my, my second one, got, got handpicked by the State Department to go hang out with the Malawan SF for a while. And the, I mean, you talk about that was a blast. You know, here, here's the, the creme de la creme of that country. And, uh, you know, they look to me to teach them stuff. And you're like, dude, you guys are freaking special forces. And they're like, yeah, but you got all the knowledge. Like, that's, that's cool. So civilian life is not half as fun as that, you know, and it, and it, it never will be, you know. But a lot more profitable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I couldn't spend any of my money when I was overseas. So I, I came back to a lot of it. <laughs> and then when I was here, I was like, oh, let's buy this Jeep. Let's buy that tire. And <laughs> I need a new winch. So did you want to speak to how you joined the military? I mean, especially at the, the tender age of uh, 29 or your wife's uh, age, she understood that was uh, 30. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it was very easy. Um, you know, I went in, uh, I was, a I was a, a wood framer at the time you know, in, in my twenties. So, uh, um, very strong. I did not have a belly or fat at the time. So <laughs> I literally just, uh, well, I first, I went to the Marines and, uh, I called them up and, uh, I said, Hey, I, I I'm thinking about joining the Marines. This is absolutely. And I start, you know, give, you know, giving a, a short description of myself and they're like, absolutely. So I walked in there and they said, ah, yes, you're hired. I go, great. And they says, what's your, you know, what's your age? And I said, 29. And they said, you are overqualified. And I said, come again? They said, you are overqualified. We cannot, cannot recruit you. You're too old. I had missed it by, I don't know, a month or two. Oh, wow. Because I was 29. I was 29. They only were recruiting people to 28. So I said, no big deal. And I walked out, turned the corner, went down, you know, three little doors and went into the army. And uh, I said, hey, I'm going to do this. They said, great. <laughs> so they didn't give a shit how old I was, the army was like, <laughs> we'll take anybody. You don't even have to be able to walk, you know, come on in. We can use you as a bullet magnet. So I, I went in and um, I had already been an EMT. So uh, I got my EMT in 2009, which is, um, you know, your basic, you know, just, uh, um, I don't know, ambulance driver. You know, you, you had a little bit of medical knowledge, but not a lot as a civilian. So they said, well, if you're already an EMT, you got to go whiskey. So I said, all right, fine. So they, they signed me up at the whiskey and, and, um, which is the, um, 68 whiskey is the identifier for a combat medic. And there's kind of two different sides of that. There's the clinical medic, which I'm terrible at. And then there's the combat side, which I was born and bred to do. Mm -hmm. So, uh, went through all of that and yeah, it was very, very, very easy, very fast to, to get in, um, taught, uh, graduated top of the class, uh, got a ranger contract. 
and uh, then they said, you know, hey, you have a choice. You can marry your wife or uh, join the join the Rangers. And uh, I made the best decision I ever could have. So I married my wife and uh, got stationed at Five Four Cav and got deployed. And yeah, not uh, not a big deal getting into the service. Getting in the army is very easy. You just show up. <laughs> so. And it, but even as a combat medic, you were seeing combat. You weren't uh, just waiting around for people to get injured and you slapping a Band-Aid on them. You were um, mm. literally a part of the team going and clearing uh, buildings. Yeah, I mean, you, uh, you, when you get on um, with the scouts or if you get attached to infantry, it's called being attached to them, you get assimilated into the group. And Willie would always say, Chuck's the smartest, um, the, um, uh, the smartest scout that we have because you have to drive. You have to learn how to drive the Humvees. You have to learn how to shoot. You have to be able to function in the turret. You have to be able to do your overwatch because you can't just be a tertiary part. You have to be integrated because we're very, we ran what's called skeleton crews, very small crews. Everybody was incredibly important and uh, you didn't just get to show up. Right. So, uh, we would, my wife would get very frustrated. Uh, well, one fun story. Uh, there was two of us attached to Apache troop. The other one was, uh, his, his name is Roberts. That's his last name. And, um, we're both medics and we had to do uh, guard powered me anytime that you weren't out, uh, functioning, um, out outside the big scary wall, you were on the wall, making sure that nobody was getting in. So he's, Roberts and I are sitting there up in the turret. We call it the concrete coffin. And there's like 13 of them around the post, but you only, we only had enough to man, I think like three or four at the time. Wow. And you never knew where you were going to go. So it was always just somebody out there because we were a very small, very small and tight knit group. And Roberts and I, are in the, and you know, it's always in the middle of the night that shit happens. So there was this ginormous explosion and a red streak across the sky and, you know, and, you know, the whole, the whole freaking place starts shaking, you know, and you're like, son of a bitch, you know, Roberts calls incoming, 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 you know, the sirens start going off and shit starts hitting the fan. And you're like, holy fuck, what the hell's going on? It's, you know, it's pandelirium, you know? And, uh, I look at Roberts, I said, what direction you have to know what direction he goes, I don't know. I just saw it go across the sky and then nothing else happened. It just all gets quiet. You know, and you're like, oh fuck, you know, here we come. Is it today, God? And then, so Roberts and I start, you know, it, it's it's fight or flight mode, right? And where you're in a concrete coffin, so you can't run away. So you're like, you know, everybody's red. We're, we're, we're trying to figure out everything. And I go, where did it come from? Where did it come from? And Roberts, I don't know. And then over the net, it goes, Hey, uh, Roberts, did you see the red thing in the sky before or after the explosion? And Roberts goes, ah, son of a bitch. I think it was after. And they go, well, typically incoming, you're going to see the streak and then the explosion. And he goes, well, no shit. Well, it was a V-bid, which is called a vehicle-borne IED, and it was just right outside the wall. So they blew this damn car up, and the, the red streak was the engine, and it shot like 400 meters. I mean, it launched that engine. So from that point on, everyone was laughing at Roberts going, incoming, incoming. <laughs> no, you dumbass. It was a car that exploded. You know, that wasn't a rocket. <laughs> So that's uh medics uh medics sometimes make mistakes and it's usually stuff like that where you're like ah oh, dumb dumbass. 
it was a good time. Oh man, like I can see what you're talking about—the adrenaline, the excitement—because you never know, and it's you're all keyed up all the time. So let me ask you: you don't, you, you don't have a, stop. yeah, you don't have a TV or anything, but maybe you've seen this. Have you ever seen the movie uh, Battle Los Angeles? No. So the main storyline with Aaron Eckhart is uh, he is uh, a, a, an old guy in the army. And uh, he is uh, going out and fighting aliens. And talk, you talking about joining in when you're 29 and uh, all these uh, younger uh, people being there. Now, I think he was older than the thing, but it just reminded me of the beginning of uh, Battlefield Los Angeles. You should watch that movie. It's a sci-fi movie. I'm sure it's, it's wrong from a military perspective. And also, too, when you were talking about the military earlier and how they get it wrong, uh, have you seen Private Ryan? Yeah. How did that uh, – how did that – well, I mean, you know, I, I would think you had seen Battlefield Los Angeles too. It's real, I mean, Battle Los Angeles is a really good movie. Uh, but uh, how did that compare to what? Uh, I mean, I know that was World War II, but how did that compare to your experience? Uh, not really. So I, I can watch shows like that because you know, Hollywood really does screw everything up. Um, <laughs> but see, watching movies of different war doesn't screw with me. There is an episode, it's an HBO special, it's called uh, Generation Kill, and if uh, any listener hasn't seen it, if you want to really know what it is to be in Baghdad, watch Generation Kill. I did watch that while I was in Baghdad, and we laughed our asses off because, you know, our driver was that, you know, you, you had that senior scout, and you had that lieutenant that was just a retard, and, and uh, that is the best depiction and uh, there are some times when uh, you know I'm, uh, I get a little tuned up at night, and uh, my boys will come in, and they'll all, that'll be on the television, and they just go, "Oh shit!" You know, I'll, I'll go see dad in about three days after he gets this out of his system, you know, because that that'll take me back to some places that you know you laugh and cry at the same time, and you go, "God damn it, I missed those days." Yeah, you know, but Generation Kill, have you seen that, Tony? I have not. You got to watch it. You got to. You will laugh your ass off and go, I can see that. That's Chuck. That's Chuck right there. Yeah. It's it's freaking hilarious. That's really yeah. cool. What was that on? HBO. Oh, that's why I haven't seen it. I don't have it's, HBO. It's well, you can just go on and, and Google it, you know, Generation Kill. And I mean it's it's out there. You just have to you just have to look for it. Look at you but telling that, me it was like I, a mini series thing. Look at you telling me where I can find it on the internet. That's just really cool. Good <laughs> <laughs> old interwebs. <laughs> well, very yeah. cool. And uh, as I've told you many times before, thank you very much for your service. And uh, I'm really glad that you made it back. Oh my God! Yeah, you know, I I, uh, I watch it. Uh, I think about it all the time. And uh, and you know, I, I'm one of the lucky ones. You know. And uh, people ask me, you know, hey, do you miss it? Oh, hell no. I dream about it every day. <laughs> That's always the joke. Oh, no. I dream about it all the time. <laughs> Never left. Yeah. That's, uh, well, I mean, it's yeah. just amazing. I I like to think that I'd be able to do that stuff, but I hear about so much, uh, so many soldiers uh, committing suicide every day, having P uh, PTSD. And I just, um, my God, it's, 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 it, for somebody to go in there willingly and go through that and have it change their life for the rest of their life is is just amazing. And 
Um, <laughs> I think that, um, and this really isn't a generation, such a generational thing, but I'll just say it this way. Uh, we have a generation of people that have uh, fought many, many battles, all online. <laughs> they think that that is what the military experience is, you know, the battle part of it, the the exciting part of it. And it reminds me of a friend of mine it's that I not. used. Yeah, I know. I used to uh, I used to play uh, Counter Strike with a, a good friend of mine, and uh, he's uh, uh, he was talking. It was some military group or something, and and there was a military person, and and they said. Uh, how many of you guys have actually cooked off a grenade? Not many, I would expect. And of course, I had to chime in with my smart-ass nature, and I've said I've uh, I've used grenades hundreds of times, both HE and flashbangs, and all simulated. <laughs> right. And my friend right. got the joke because like, he knew. <laughs> <laughs> that that's why, like the very first day when I. Uh, three days in and you you have those those mortar rounds coming in they're walking in on your location it's almost a letdown because you you see it you know it's always this big thing you know and and your cars flip over and all that kind of crap and it's just this little (laughs) that was uh that was not very fun (laughs) but once you get through it then it's the stupid shit like uh i i was on r and r and uh my wife took me up to tahoe because I'm I'm definitely a Sierra's boy, you know. I want to be up in the Sierra Nevadas, and uh, it was in uh, in the winter time, and um, uh, embarrassing and, and incredibly embarrassing. It was about four o'clock in the morning, you know, and I'm in a you know, I'm in a deep sleep, and uh, the snow plow comes right up through through uh, the cabin, you know, and puts the plow down. It goes kablam, and then, you know, as it as it does the snow. And I was on my feet running to the corner to grab my rifle, to run out the door, to get in the truck. And right about the time I got to a corner where of the cabin where, you know, in my brain, that's where my cross was. You know, my cross always had my IOTV and my, uh, my rifle and there was nothing there. And then I realized, oh shit, Chuck, you know, you're in, you're in the United States. And it was, uh, it was an emotional time. You, you sit there and you, I'm embarrassed. You know, my wife is going, it's okay. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I just forgot where I was. You know, that's, that's the unknown truth that people, I think they know, but a veteran that's been there knows you never quite get out of that. Right. You know, you're never out of that. Oh, that's right. I'm in the United States. You know, there's still shit that just wakes you up, even though you know, it's not as bad as the Hollywood fiction says. It's still like ingrained inside your soul. You know what I mean? Like it, it d- never goes away. And, you know, PTSD is a real thing. And it can be both sides where you liked it so much that you hate this life after. Or you live such a shitty one that you don't want this life to continue either. You know, and I've lost a lot of friends uh, through suicide. You know, of course, you know my uh, my biological father committed suicide so did my grandfather my uncle tried you know my brother tried and it uh, it just runs in our family and i go man i i'm one of the lucky ones i came home you know and i'm go- going to use every day that god gave me to have a fun time you know even through the bad days you're going to have a fun time and i'm going to uh, live my life exactly how i want to because i'm one of the lucky ones and it's just the sad truth that so many of my brothers 
uh, don't have that mentality and they have the mentality of, I just don't want to be here anymore. Mm -hmm. And a huge advocate. I'm a huge advocate for getting those guys help. You know, uh, I don't believe that we all need help, but the ones that do, uh, which I, and I've, I've spent a lot of time talking with some, with some of my brothers about this, you know, uh, you go get it, man. It's, there's nothing wrong. Like you, uh, uh the government kind of, kind of let us do some things that uh, a lot of it are immoral. Uh, I wish I could go back and relive sometimes that uh, we did some things and it's like, man, that uh, looking back on it, you, you go, yeah, you probably didn't need to do that, but um, you did it anyway. So uh, now you got to live with it and talking to people about it is always, is always the answer, you know? Yeah, you, it you really is. You just have to. Don't. Yeah, yeah. I, en I encourage everybody to don't try to deal with things on your own, no matter how slight they are no matter how uh, unmanly you think it is uh talking to people uh especially professional people uh can really really make a difference you know chuck I, i've talked to you about my youngest son and he kind of uh, removed himself from the family and uh i haven't uh, uh communicated with him in a number of years and then uh, the other day uh actually a few months ago he uh, showed up on the discord channel and uh was uh, basically explaining to me how horrible a dad I was and uh, so on and so forth. And uh, I, uh, I, and I, I know you're not supposed to do this, but it's my son. I encouraged him to uh, seek out some uh, some mental uh, health help. He needs to be able to to get over this stuff so he can uh, enjoy his life. Uh, and whenever I was uh, separated from my my then wife and separated from him and his older brother. It was a very difficult time for me because I just didn't see myself uh, not being there for my boys. And I, unfortunately, it's not always your choice. And uh, so uh, I, uh, I went mm -hmm. and had some, uh, some therapy and I stayed in the therapy. It was, it, initially, it was marriage therapy. Uh, and I always say my, uh, my then wife didn't like uh, the, the therapist not saying it was all my fault. So she stopped going. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> well, and, obviously, he didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah. And I kept going because I did not want to make the same mistake of who I chose to be with and who I chose to have children with because it affects the children as well. So anyway, long story uh, short, as Travis would say, uh, I, uh, I, I highly recommend uh, getting that mental help, and especially if you've been in a situation like what Chuck has gone through. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there. There, we've got some brothers here that uh, uh, you know. Wayne, you've met Wayne. He's the he's the guy that's got the CJ seven that helps us on the ranch, uses that as his daily driver. And uh, you know, there's been some times where we just sit out at the campfire and throw back some old ones and and just kind of get off, you know. It's just just uh, blow off some steam, as they say, and uh, get some shit off your chest, and and uh, you know we're always there for each other. Give each other a big old, old hug and a pat on the ass, and say, "Hey, man, it uh, whatever you need, I'm here for you." And that's where I, I really enjoy, you know, uh, the Jeep Talk Show, the Jeep community, because you know there's something about you know getting in your rig and going out to the out to the woods or you know the desert or wherever the hell it is that you know people go to and just uh get reconnected you know to to nature and yourself and your soul and just take a big deep breath there and go life is good man being in a jeep is great life is good and um and uh talking about that kind of crap helps you know yeah absolutely. If, you, if you got a jeep if you got a jeep you're you're automatically cool you're already automatically accepted 
So now if you've got some issues that you're trying to deal with, it doesn't matter. You're accepted. So let's get, let's deal with them issues. Let's get it off our chest and let's drive on, you know, mm -hmm. and Wayne and I do that a lot in our Jeeps. Just go out to the pasture. Oh, I'm and uh, thinking about screw it. I might do that. Uh, and, and you, you met uh, your best friend in the military too, didn't you? Yeah, Chris. Yeah. So Chris was the first person that I met when I came to uh, Fort Riley and we are definitely the odd couple. He is Mr. Peabody. You know, he's the short, bald guy with glasses. I am not short, nor am I bald, and I don't wear glasses. I am very much uh, the fun uh, of our existence, and uh, he is the brother I always wanted. You know, my brother and I, we just did not like each other from day one, and we, and we just don't even talk anymore. I haven't seen him or anything. Uh, we even tried jeeping together, and it was, a, it was not a good thing, um, which I, I talked about, of course, in the on the first episode that we did this, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, Chris and I, we just hit it off and, uh, um, everyone laughed, you know, he was my, my army wife, <laughs> you know, he, he is the guy that you know, my wife was traveling all the time for work when I was in the service. So I was just kind of out here at the ranch by myself and hell, I mean, him and I are the ones who had, we had breakfast together every day. We had lunch together, every dinner together every day. And, uh, you can't, I mean, that a wonderful connection and we've traveled now all over the place together going, you know, whether it be, you know, camping or backpacking or jeeping or canoeing or kayaking or whatever. I mean, him and I go someplace everywhere every year for, for, uh, an extended vacation, you know, and it's always out in the woods somewhere. He actually bought a four wheel drive. He's, you know, he bought that Bronco of his just so he can go jeeping with me of course his bronco never works so he can't go but <laughs> uh, i i had, i encouraged him yesterday to just go buy a new jeep and be done with it you can give your bronco back to ford and and uh go buy a new jeep and then you can start going wheeling actually wheeling instead of just having a broken vehicle you know <laughs> <laughs> like again, only friends should you know yeah. <laughs> again it's always good to give people hard times uh, whether they deserve it or not <laughs> if you can't you can't kick them while they're down. You just shouldn't have. You shouldn't be around them. Like, that's right. That's <laughs> you got to be able right. to kick your buddies while they're on the ground. Yeah, and if yeah. they get if they get pissed off, then that's a score that you'll rem remember and say, "Hey, remember that time I, I got to you and pissed you off?" So, <laughs> so what's uh, what's next? What's next for Chuck? What what do you see uh, coming up near future mm -hmm. and in the future for you? Uh, so currently, uh, I'm a I'm an avid keeper. I love going uh, out, out uh, and living in the woods. Um, so I bought my wife and I a rooftop tent uh, two years ago. It's been sitting on the, the, the shop bench now for two years. I'm actually taking my old, um, it would be a, a Vietnam era uh, Jeep trailer, and I'm setting it up for, for camping. I had a, a, a cooktop on it and did some other stuff to it, but uh, I'm getting old enough now where it was just too heavy. You know, about five years ago, I was a lot stronger than I am now. You know, I can tell that that uh, age is starting to get to me. So I yanked off that top, and now I'm starting to fabricate something for a for a nice tent and uh, enclosed area, so I can drag that out with my wife and I. And you know, when we check cows out in the Council Grove pasture, you know, that's about an hour drive, and uh, we have our own campsite out there, spring fed well, and and uh, we lots of times we'll just spend the night out there. Well, the ground tent is starting to hurt, so uh, I'm going to start fabricating that. That's that's on the the newest things in my life is 
learning to slow down in the work side and enjoy, you know, my wife, my, my children, the land that I'm able to buy and making time to go and do more Jeep stuff. So that's great. Uh, like, well, like with Seam. Yeah. Like with Seam, I spent an entire week doing nothing but Jeep stuff and I had not felt that alive in a very, very long time. Mm -hmm. So that kind of, that kind of reminded me that, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with hard days work, you know, that hard work pays off. And I've said that, you know, my entire life, well, it's time for it to start paying off. You yep. know, the company is, can run by itself. You know, I still need to make the sales and make the, make the points, you know, and the connections, but, uh, I can, I can stop working on the weekends and, uh, start camping. And, uh, like my buddy, Matt, when I was in California, he said, it's time, Chuck. He says, you've worked your ass off your whole life it's time and you know matt's uh he's got a beautiful cj7 he's got a beautiful gladiator he's got a race side by side now he's got an ultra four rig that he, he's doing kicking of the hammers with and he says you know you got more money in the bank than any of us why don't you start spending it and get out here you know go to king of the hammers like okay so i'm going to the king of the hammers this next year and doing the jeepers jamboree this next year and doing the jts event this next year and really starting to fill up you know my life with life instead of just work you know that's kind of the it's kind of the newest thing on my on my to-do list would you say you know? that 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 comes as a direct result of uh the jeep talk show getting you uh getting you out of that uh 24 yeah. 7 work mode into thinking about you enjoying your life and working yeah yes Good. yes so i i used to tell my my sons uh you know um nathan nathan was an avid fisherman and, and backpacker and hunter and and uh trapper and so is josh and and i says what good is owning all of this if you can't enjoy it well it's easier for me to say to other people <laughs> yeah. you know like wayne you know wayne has a hundred wayne has 100 percent access to everything we have yeah and i had to tell him about a year or two ago quit asking well you know it's not my property the shit it isn't of course it's your property you work it right you know, every square inch of this property you've been, he's been to places of my property. I've never been to, you know, we've, we've gone to some places. It's like, I've never even been over there. And he goes, Oh, it's gorgeous. You need to go someday. <laughs> and, you know, it starts like, oh, Jesus, duck. you know what? I mean, well, I'm very efficient. You know, I'm there, there to get cows. I found the cows, get them, get them home. And now, now you do this, now you do this, now you do. And, uh, I was always the guy that was getting from a to B. And now I'm the guy that wants to just stay on the line from a to b like i want to enjoy the travel now like let's let's see what this life really is you know if, if b is death and a is birth how about this why don't we live in between that why am i in such a hurry to be dead mm -hmm. you know why am i in such a hurry to make a success and then die how about this why don't you don't worry about that and just worry about enjoying what god gave you mm -hmm. you know and he gave it to me because of all the hard work well enjoy it nothing wrong with that yep yep it's time to uh you know Get some other people doing the the work for you, and I'm sure they'd be very happy to be a part of uh, all the success that you're having in your your construction business. So uh, yeah. it's hard to let go sometimes, uh, yep. you know. But as long as you don't let uh, you don't hire somebody to drive the jeep for you, I think you'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's never going to happen. Last time Stephen drove my scrambler, it's jacked now. Yeah, I know <laughs> that reminds. So we actually had to go out and look at the steering and find out what the hell that death wobble came from. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Damn it. There's another thing I got to do. <laughs> but it's yeah. fun stuff that you have to do. Mm -hmm. So uh, what's the next step for, right. for Chuck on the Jeep talk show? 
Oh boy. Talking I want to say talking about old Jeeps, uh, jo- uh, Josh. Talking about old Jeeps, Chuck. <laughs> yeah, it's time to start like bringing some content into the show instead of being the uh, the the guy that drinks too much beer in the background. Like, I need to start bringing the bringing some content. I think that's the right yeah. the right word. You're doing absolutely yeah, fine, and, uh, but yeah, if you can uh, uh, d- do what you're doing and add some uh, some old uh, iron content and maybe even stuff you're learning about the the new stuff and how it compares between the two, I think that would be very interesting f- for our listeners. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely uh, want a new Jeep, but uh, I love working on the old ones. You know, there's just something super cool about it. And uh, like when I, I'm going to, after we're done here, I'm going to go out and bring in the, the winter Jeep and, and uh, it's still six volt. You know, I, I've got to, you know, go get a six volt battery for it and start doing all that. And, you know, it's like, do I convert it to 12 volt or do I keep it original six volt? And, and uh, I need to start the, start bringing some of that cool stuff to the table of hey this is what we did and you know i think the listeners would like to hear about them old rusted out pieces of crap you absolutely know? even the if old they, american steel yeah even if they don't have any reference and i think that even makes it more interesting uh to to hear how it was done in the past and how we got from there to here so i i think that'll be very interesting right. i know I, i'm looking forward to hearing it yeah yeah, I just got to slow down and start remembering what, what I've done, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> I think that's the biggest issue. It's like, hey, what did you do to this week? It's like, oh, my God, how many hours do you have to listen? Because <laughs> we sure do a lot. You know, we, we uh, what's the saying in, the, in, uh, in, my, in my construction world? We, we, we put 10 pounds of shit in a five-pound bag. <laughs> that's right. And, <laughs> Every day. Uh, every day and and there's this thing i know it's technology but there's this thing that you can put on your phone probably for free that is a uh, an audio recorder and uh, you can start uh, pressing that little uh, icon on the phone and 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 start off with note to self and then whatever it is you want to remember <laughs> right well i actually did that on friday night so i fly in from vegas into uh, sacramento international airport mom picks me up dad's of course still at home because he he doesn't travel well and uh you go home and you know you're just kind of winding down from a just wildfire of, of a week and you know my buddy matt his wife calls and abby it's just a special person she's her and i hated each other in the beginning and now we, we, we get along very well and uh, she says hey matt wants to come over i'm like well come on over and uh, I said, I was about to go to bed. And she goes, oh, come on, old man. You know, <laughs> I said, okay, come on over. So he comes over. Of course, he brings a bottle of whiskey, you know, and it's like, oh, all right, you know, Irish whiskey, just beautiful stuff. And uh, dad and him and mom and I and Abby all start talking. And I thought, oh, my God, we can't lose these stories. So I'm scrolling through my phone and everyone's like, oh, geez, Chuck, you know, you're the stupid Jeep talk show. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> and I push play. Dad doesn't know it. I pushed play and Abby saw it and she goes, oh yeah. And it was an hour and a half of story after story after story after story of old Jeep and stuff. And that was just so cool to be able to catch all of dad's. I mean, probably not even 10% of the stories. Yeah. He's forgotten more than I've lived, you know, and it's, it's so cool. And we've often joked here on the ranch. All we need is, is someone to follow us around with a video recorder and just, and the amount of fun and the, the things that we that we do we literally live the lives people want to watch you know and uh that might be happening but 
who knows but i need to start doing something and and uh, getting it out there because i i think i think people would be interested in seeing you mm. know the old flat fenders running and how do we get them running again and and how amazingly they do off-road i mean skinny ass little tires you know little pizza cutter tires will go a hell of a lot farther than a yeah, you know, than what you think. You know, it's it's neat to see them run. Sure. Well, they had to during World War II, so uh, uh, the military uh, yeah. designed it properly. So uh, right. we talk about uh, we've talked about you not being a technical person, but you're actually on uh, Instagram. Uh, I don't know about the TikTok, but I, you're definitely on Instagram. Nope. If somebody wanted to follow you yep. on Instagram, and, and and you know, you're doing not only pictures but multiple pictures in a post and videos. Yep. So yeah. how would how would people Man, find you? On, how would people find you on Instagram? Uh, so Jeeping RM is uh, is my my call sign or call name or whatever the hell they're called. Mm-hmm. And you go, what the hell is RM? And RM stands for Rusty M. And uh, kind of fun backstory on that: when when uh, I met my wife, um, I was twenty nine years old. She was forty or forty one. And uh, first thing she asked is, you know, do, do you know how old I am? And I said, well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really care. And uh, she says, how old are you? And I says, oh, I'm 30. I had just turned 29. So the best way to start a relationship is with a lie, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. <laughs> I started, I started this, started dating this gal, and you know, I was kind of known as the guy that dated not for very long. You know, sure. you might have them around, you know, and about after a week or two, they're like, I can't handle this guy, and they'd leave, or I vice versa. So when I started dating this, you know, twelve-year-old, and she says eleven and a half, but this she's twelve <laughs> years older than I. They were like, "What in the hell is going on, Chuck?" So the joke actually started with Marilee's brother, and uh, he says, "Well, did you guys meet on the internet? You know, is it an internet <laughs> dating service? You know, is he a, a male hooker?" And she goes, uh, "Actually, Tom, who's who's our brother-in-law, said, uh, well, yeah, he's the boy toy, and she's his guaranteed retirement.'" So <laughs> that's how we started dating. Mm-hmm. So then when we got married and we came out here and I decided getting shot at isn't half as fun as the army sold me on, we decided to buy the ranch. Well, any ranch has to, has a, has to have a brand. So I looked at her and I said, uh, I think I'm going to call it Rusty M. And she goes, okay, why? And I said, because you were pretty rusty when I first met you. And she starts laughing. She goes, oh, my God, yes. And my wife's a redhead. So the M is Merrily. So it's Rusty Merrily. Is our, that's my registered cattle brand, the name of the ranch, the name of the construction company, and now the name of me on social media is Jeeping RM. Every, everything surrounds the fact that my wife is old and rusty. <laughs> Gee whiz. I don't, I well, don't know how you don't wake up dead under a pillow. I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's only been a couple of clients because people ask all the time well your name is chuck and but the company is rusty m who's rusty and i t- start telling them sometimes i think it's happened maybe you know, a handful of times you know two three four five times the wives go oh my god i can't believe you did that I'm like what are you talking about like trust me she liked it it was totally fine yeah and they, the, the husbands are all like oh my god you like <laughs> is there ever a serious moment no <laughs> not even a little all the way down to the, what they call me is just fun <laughs> so if you don't so, mind saying jeep so RM. yeah jeep and rm on instagram uh and, and it's not very often i mean and, and don't think he doesn't post very often because he does so it's uh 
uh, I, I see something at least every couple of days, and then uh, uh, sometimes more often than that. So uh, follow that. And uh, and you can pass on this if you want to, but uh, your construction company, what is it that uh, uh, what you, what is it that you build uh, in construction? Is it just one thing or several things? Or tell us about that. So I so I've been I've been in uh, in construction since preteen. So I started, you know, remodeling in, in uh, the Central Valley of California and then kind of got into custom homes and then started doing restaurants and hotels and kind of got the contract for Darden restaurants to start building their stuff on the, on the West Coast and um, then, then went into the service and got back out and did not want to get back into construction at all because it takes a lot out of you. And we started um, just cowboying here and after about a year or so, they were like, oh, you know how to fix this you know, widget, you know, this barn or this, you know, whatever. And I said, yeah. And then next thing I know, the vet calls me and he goes, hey, I've got, you know, a 120-year-old house that needs to be remodeled. Can you do it? And I'm like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. Like, okay. So we started doing remodels and uh, all high-end stuff. We don't, we are not cheap at all. The joke is uh, uh, we, we're not the cheapest, but we are the most expensive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Catchy. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so uh, then I, I I needed to build another building because you know we have lots of equipment because the the ranch continues to go and the the hay the hay processing service continues to go, and now the construction side is starting to get bigger. So I I, I called up a company because I needed a that you can buy a building kit for these big shops you know big red iron shops, and uh, they said hey do you know how to do these and I giggled I was like dude I've been I've been in construction for now almost thirty years. And uh, they go, holy crap, you know, do, do you want to start building these for us? And I go, not really. But okay. <laughs> No, thank you. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, they gave me, a, they gave me a, a, some numbers of some people that had bought their, their packages, and, uh, but no one would put them up for them. Because uh, they're, they're quite, not labor intensive, but you have to have big equipment to be able to do it. So... There's this new coined term called barndominium, mm -hmm. and it's incredibly hot right now because um, a lot of people want these barndominium-style homes. So if you Google you know, barndominium, you'll see Worldwide Steel Buildings. Uh, they are the building manufacturer, and um, they will get you in contact with us and with, with um, RM Incorporated, which is now who, who we are, RM Construction. And uh, we build high-end barn dominiums for people. So very, very busy with that. That is definitely an eight-day-a-week job. Um, actually, I had to tell Stephen to knock it off. He was working, my guy, 16-hour days, seven days a week. And I said, no, <laughs> no, you're not allowed to do that anymore. And he says, we have to. Because right now we have nine houses to build. Uh, they were all supposed to be done by the end of this year. They, we don't even get some of them started. And next year is already getting filled up. The year after that's probably already going to be filled up. So we build high-end barn dominiums or very large open-span uh, buildings, you know, shops and stuff like that, and crane everything in. And we've got lots of lots of equipment. Mm -hmm. Hence the the Peterbilt. Well, I had to buy a set. I had to buy a semi just so I can haul my equipment so I can do the jobs. Right. Yeah. So the the these barn dominiums are largely uh, all metal. Uh, I mean, the, 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 yeah. I guess the, the main part of it is all metal, and that's what you need the, the heavy equipment for, so you can pick up those beams and put them in place and so on and so forth, where uh, yep. wood, wood yep. construction is a lot easier and can be done uh, 
uh, with uh, manual labor mm-hmm. or, or smaller things. So, and uh, so you actually right. go out there and build these barn dominiums. Do you do you get the feeling that this is also having something to do with the cowboy lifestyle and the the wish to be part of the oh, Yellowstone thing? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. So that what's great with us is that I do own a working cattle ranch, and a lot of people want to live like that. They they like the idea of living the ranch lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So that's what we that's what we provide them you know they they might have their square of land you know and who cares how many acres it is you know if it's one acre or if it's a million acres who cares they just want that one square of land with their ranch style barn dominium and their goat or you know or their horse sure or whatever so they that they want to identify with that lifestyle so it helps you know when you go and you meet with these people and you know i'm a large cowboy you know you show up with a that's cowboy hat, you know, I mean, hell, I went to SEMA with cow shit on my boots, you know, and you, you go and meet with them and you go, oh, yeah, I mean, this is what I live, so I can build it for you. I already know it. Yeah, and they, they go, how should we do the inside? Well, however you want, you know, we'll just build it for you. Mm-hmm. And then they go, you know, how long have you been doing this? Almost 30 years. You know, so it really, I fell into um, uh, probably the, one of the nichiest type builds that there are. Because a lot of wood framer guys don't want to do it because it's red iron steel, sure. which is an industrial commercial style build. And the commercial style build guys don't want to do it because you're dealing with homeowners and, you know, very particular homeowners. They're not benign. They don't want to go to Home Depot and buy, you know, their doors and what was from them. They want that, like you said, they want that Yellowstone lifestyle. They want that cowboy life. They want that rancher life. You can't get that at Home Depot. Right. You have to. You have to fabricate it. You have to make it. So, I'm very lucky to be able to do that. And I we call it the core four. I've got four guys that are that have worked for me for some time. And there's, I'll be honest, there's buildings I've never seen. They're so damn good at it. You know, I don't even show up anymore. You know, they just kind of do their thing, and I stay here. Or maybe I go out and help with the dirt crew because I I own my own dirt company. You own, own my own, you know, uh, dump trucks and stuff like that that we have to use for the dirt and excavators and laser levels and laser screeds and shit. And then uh, own my own foundation company. Of course, everything's under the umbrella of RM Incorporated. And uh, I'll go help those guys. And then the the building erection team and the framers, they'll show up. And uh, like when I came back from visiting mom and dad, you know, they knew I was back in Kansas, but they never called. They never showed up. You know, and then I just showed up with, to the job and sh- shit, they were almost done with that building. And I, I was only gone for a week. You know, they're so good. They're, and, and I provide them with really good equipment. You know, that's a big, big deal. You oh, have yeah. to have good equipment for these guys. Yeah. Good tools. Yeah. So, uh, if, if on yes. the outside chance that there's somebody listening to this interview and they go, wow, I, I've been looking for a barn dominium builder and it's just so hard to find somebody and maybe they haven't uh, spoken, uh, uh, with worldwide yet and uh, being re- been referred uh what area of the country is, is it just kansas that you do builds in or uh, i would assume it's close to home uh so we we try to keep it about 250 mile radius uh, which is a long long way away um but i get calls all the time from oregon uh, california texas you know i'm, I'm slated to do a couple uh, very very large buildings in in houston and dallas fort worth uh, I don't have a problem traveling. The boys don't have a problem traveling, but uh, it gets pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. So, because uh, I have to pay per diem, you know, you get a bunch of guys out there making an extra, you know, couple hundred dollars a day. It, it to get into the tens of thousands only takes, 
you know, a, a couple weeks, you know. So uh, typically it's uh, right here in the Midwest, uh, you know, Kansas, Nebraska, Oklahoma, uh, Missouri area, but uh, do not have a problem traveling. And uh, I do this with a lot of people. I don't have to be the one that builds it. You know, I, I'm, I'm genuinely a nice guy. And if, if I can help you achieve your dreams, then I'll help. You know, and there, there was a, a, a wonderful gal out of Southern California. And uh, she says, I, I want to do this, but the builder's kind of afraid. And I said, just give him my number. Give him my number. And if he needs help, you know, call me. And I get those phone calls like, hey, what is this thing for? How do you, how, what's the best steps? And I tell him, like, hey, this is what you do. And this is how you do it. But and uh, I really believe that lifestyle pays dividends in the end. Of course. You know, I don't really have that much competition. I, I have no competition really in the Midwest. Uh, I, I want it. So if I can help somebody learn how to build these things, like, I'll help you. Like, come on. Like, let's dance. Let, let's figure out who's the better builder. You know, let, let's do it. So um, uh, I really believe that that giving, you know, I, I, I strongly believe you can't outgive God. So if I continue to give lastly to to help these clients get what they want, and I'll get it in the long run, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good so way to be. A, I mean, it, it's an honest, uh, helpful yeah. way to be, and like you say, it comes back in dividends. And uh, uh, not to to dovetail on uh, on your goodness, but that's one of the reasons why we like uh, inviting uh, quote unquote competition onto the the Jeep Talk Show is to introduce our listeners to maybe a. Uh, uh, a competition uh, a Jeep podcast that uh, uh, that they may not know about, and uh, the the benefits are is that if we're sharing, it's not a not a requirement, but if we're sharing, maybe they'll share with their audience. And uh, the, uh, recently, right. somebody told me, uh, "Rising water floats all boats," and uh, I, I agree with that. It, it's good to be helpful, and uh, frankly, if somebody else can can do a better job than we can uh, do, then we need to uh, step up our game. Or uh, just uh, give kudos to the people that are doing it better than us. You know, I, I found uh, uh, before my deployments, I definitely was the wannabe badass. You know, I, I, I was a large stature type of guy. So, you know, you kind of walk around. I, my, that's how a lot of my family was on my biological father's side. You know, you're kind of a, uh, you know, Billy badass is the same, you know. And then after the deployment, I found, you know, some of the toughest guys are just nicer than everybody else. So I kind of learned that just being nice and genuinely having a good disposition, people gravitate to that. So I uh, just learned to just relax and have a good time. And you've got to be the guy that corrects everybody. You know, you just got to be the guy that just smiles and giggles and has a good time and is very, very giving, you know, of, uh, you know socially, emotionally, mentally, you know, however you want to call it. And since I've been doing that, you know, I got out of the service to the 14. I have grown exponentially as a business, as a man, as, you know, a father, all of these things. And as a friend, you know, because just genuinely being nice to people makes them come back. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So, so that, uh, I think that's why, you know, I, I get to be a, a part of the show, you know, I and mean, look at all the great things I've been able to do just being the, the small portion of the, being a part of the show. The business is exploding. You know, I was even talking to, you know, our estate planner, you know, uh, got to make plans after death. You know, the, my wife's always worried. You're going to die today. I'm like, okay. And uh, he goes, what do you want to do with the, the company? And I says, I want to make sure my guys at least have a year's salary. And he looked at me and just started blinking. He goes, what? And I go, uh, if, if I ever fa- fail and I die, you know, if, if life, you know, calls me, calls me home, I want to make sure that my boys are taken care of for at least a year. 
until they can get their feet on the ground or I want to give the company to them. My wife, what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> genuinely nice to people. That's the great, that's the right thing to do. You know, you don't, nobody gives a shit if you're a badass or not. They just care if you're nice. You know what I mean? Well, and it makes so, you feel better. Uh, it makes you feel better to be able to help people out. And, and it, it goes back to one of the things, the first things we were talking about here on this, this interview is it made me so gratified to hear that the Jeep talk show made your life better. In a tough situation, it made your life right. better. And that's exactly what you're talking about. Uh, if something was to happen to you and people would be in a panic because they, they know you, they work with you, and they know what to expect. They're making ends meet. Uh, their family's making ends meets because of you. And all of a sudden, you're gone. Uh, but you still thought of them. And now they have that, that bit of respite that they don't have to worry about it uh, for a year because uh, they're going to continue to be right. uh, taken care of. That's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Yeah, that's one of, one of the things I was telling Mary Lee over some drinks last night. I said, hey, you know, I, I need to start getting, you know, Steven in here and start teaching him. He'll never be the sales guy. You know, I mean, I, uh, I naturally uh, am a good uh, salesperson when it comes to these sort of things. Of course, it helps being in the industry for 30 years. Uh, but I want to be able to make sure that Steven can continue, you know, because we always keep about 18 months worth of work. So if Stephen can continue to run the jobs for those 18 months, then have a year's worth of salary on the back end of that, you know, you really can take care of a lot of stuff, right. you know, financially for your family and everything. And I, I looked at the guy and I says, you know, all those, all those guys, kids eat because we give them work. I'm not going to take food out of those kids mouth just because I do something stupid and die, mm -hmm. you know, and the guy's just looking at me and looking back at my wife, like, is this guy for real? Like I'm for real. 100%. So you know, like, like with the Jeep talk show. I mean, I'll do whatever I can to make this thing just, I mean, it's already just absolutely amazing, but how do we make it better? And I'll do whatever we can to get us there. You know, that's, that's my life. Yeah. Oh, and uh, talking about acceptance, uh, how wonderful it is to be accepted and how accepted you've been by uh, reaching out and talking to people about Jeeps. Uh, you were very accepted at SEMA and uh, even people oh, that hadn't, yeah. talk, had, hadn't heard about the Jeep talk show were so excited about it. And uh, it was yeah. just absolutely wonderful to hear, uh, especially when you put this much time and effort into something. Uh, it's wonderful hearing people uh, excited about hearing about the show, maybe for the first time, and or if they knew about the show, finding out that we're doing four episodes a week and just blown away about all that we're doing. Right. And, it, and we just need to get that yeah, information they, out. I think we have an absolutely wonderful show. And this is largely due to you. The attitude that I have about us having a wonderful show is because I'm always like, eh, it's okay. Are we doing okay? Or could we be better? And I'm just worried, worried, worried. And I'll, I'll always remember it. Uh, you said, Tony, I don't deal with medi mediocrity. <laughs> the only reason why I'm here is because this is a great show. That's right. Yeah, the guys, guys like me, we don't, we don't deal in mediocrity, right? We deal in 100% excellence, you know, and I, I tell people all the time, you work, work so damn hard that everyone looks at you and goes, wow, I want to be a part of that. Yep. Right. So when I went to, to SEMA and I would just put my hand out, shake, shake whoever's, whoever it is, you know, on the other side, whatever their industry niche is, whatever they're building, put my hand out. I'm Chuck with the Jeep talk show. Tell me about what you got. Why haven't you been on our show? And they go, I don't want to get me on your show. Like, absolutely. You need to be a part of this because we have great listeners. We have people that understand what good stuff is. They want good stuff. You have good stuff. Let's get you on the show and get you in front of these listeners. You know, and they're like, holy crap. Absolutely. Like, I'm sorry. I haven't been here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
where have you been and why haven't you called us? <laughs> yeah. And you spoke with at least 50 different businesses. So we have a lot more coming up on the Jeep Talk Show. And this is going to be largely due to Chuck, uh, Bob, uh, Chris, and uh, Larry that went out there this year. Absolutely amazing. Well, yeah. Chuck, uh, we've had a wonderful and, conversation. And cutting, cutting it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've had a wonderful conversation here today, a lot longer than an hour. Uh, have we covered the Chuck story or is there more? Oh, God. Oh, God, no. We haven't gotten to any of the teenage Chuck being antics. You know, I mean, we had, we got to, I mean, we pulled out pictures and there's like boxes of Chuck in his, you know, for, in his black Jeep, you know, just story after story after story. We haven't even touched even 10% of, you know, 1983, you know? Yeah. Well, there you have it, <laughs> folks. So, I, there you have it, folks. Yeah. The Jeep, uh, the Jeep Talk Show and Chuck story are not over. It's uh, really just getting started. But man, what a great bit mm -hmm. of information! What a, and and I know Chuck. It's been ups and downs, but what a great life! I mean, if if you ever doubt that, uh, just uh, think back about all the things that you've been through, and especially all the things you're accomplishing. Uh, I was going to say earlier that it, it has to be so gratifying that you're making uh, uh, making families being able to afford to live. Uh, but it's got to be so concerning mm -hmm. at the same time because you have to make the right decisions so that uh, they uh, they can continue to have uh, that job and that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So uh, God bless you for going through all that stuff. And uh, I, I mean, I just think Thank it's you. in your genes to to be successful and to try hard. And uh, hopefully you'll spend more time having some fun and hopefully you'll uh, spend more time with uh, the Jeep Talk Show with our, uh, our events and going to things and uh, – uh, you know, continuing to be part of uh, the fun with the Jeep Talk Show. Yeah, love it. Makes makes life worth it, man. I hope so. Yep. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll be uh, maybe this will be special episode number two. We'll have to see. I don't have a a date yet for you, but uh, keep uh, watching JeepTalkShow.com and uh, of course on social media for uh, the publication of uh, of this episode.